Hey, I'm Josh Smith, and welcome to another series of my podcast, Rain. If you're new here, first of all, where have you been, babe? But second, and most importantly, I'm so glad you are here now. This podcast is all about being the kings and queens of our own lives, and it's full of empowering stories from brilliant guests, as well as some incredible words to live by. And of course, a lot of lols too. We all look at our favorite celebrities and think they've got it all. And it's so easy to forget no matter who you are and what you do, ultimately we are all the same. In each episode, I'll be chatting to some of our favorite stars about the most human of experiences, how they've dealt with tough times and overcome them to reign over their lives. I've always found these conversations so inspiring, whether that's me making changes in my life, my relationships, or just getting my gym gear on. So I'm really hoping you will too. Welcome to Rain. In today's episode, we are joined by pop queen Ellie Golding. Ellie is the singer behind the bangers Burn and Love Me Like You Do, which was a hit number one single in 70 entire countries. And since she burst onto the pop music scene in 2009, she sold 15 million albums and 102 million singles worldwide and has the most entrances on the Billboard Hot 100 chart by a British female artist this century. Casual. Away from the public eye, Ellie got married to Casper Jopling in 2019 and in May 2021 gave birth to their son, Arthur. And in this episode, she talks frankly about how motherhood has affected her relationship with her body image. Ellie also opens up about the mental health impacts of being a singer. Now it left her in her own words, chasing extremes at different times in her career. She also talks about how she's learned to look after herself, something she explores in her new wellness book, Fitter, Calmer, Stronger, which just like this episode is full of epic pieces of advice and it even includes a hangover cure. Finally! I love what Ellie has to say about changing relationships she has with herself. So I hope you take just as much away from this chat as I did. Get those crowns at the ready. Well, hello, babe. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, I'm feeling. I'm feeling good today because I feel like I had a good sleep, which just makes such a difference to my whole day. It really does. Oh my god, it makes the world of difference. I am grumpy. AF. If I don't get that eight hours in, I can tell you that for free. <laughs> well, it actually is like a, it's a thing. You know, if you don't sleep well, then you're probably not going to have the best day. I mean, you can just about like, get away with it, but if you keep the coffee up. But yeah, it's so important, sleep. Well, that mood always hits at one point. And you're literally like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't got a decent night's sleep. <laughs> well, we are here to talk about your amazing new wellness manual that's what i'm gonna call it that's what i'm pitching thank you for calling it that because that's what it is that's exactly what it is yes (laughs) and it's called fitter calmer stronger and it covers everything from workouts to empowerment to recipes and honestly ellie those recipes in that book if i'm coming around for dinner what are you serving me because it all just looks delish (laughs) and whatever you want whatever you want um you know i really wanted to just put things in that i truly love to eat not just you know I've, i've seen books that are literally just like salads and soups and like the odd i don't know like a little curry or something like vegetable curry but i was like you know what? i'm just gonna put in things that i really love to eat and 
um, and things that you can enjoy, like things like tempura. I lo- bloody love tempura. And it's oh, fried, same. but it's okay to have something fried every now and then. And it's delicious. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's kind of a combination of like health and also eating for joy as well, because that's what we like. That's what we like doing. I love that. Well, I want to come around for that cottage pie because that looked mouthwateringly stunning. Uh, the cottage pie, yeah, that's a good one. That's more of a like sort of winter, winter vibe. Well, I was thinking about wellness in the build-up to talking to you today because when I was younger I honestly felt like I never thought about it and when I was first working in London I honestly just lived off a Boots meal deal like every day (laughs) and then like Alco Pops in the evening Mm. and when I was living at university there was this massive running joke that if it wasn't beige battered or breaded I didn't eat it (laughs) (laughs) and then when I look back to on that now and I feel like I've had some sort of like awareness of wellness now and what I'm putting in my body I'm like oh my god how did I ever do that what was your wellness wake-up call would you say you're so right I think we've all had one of those I mean when I was a kid I talk about in the book I I had pretty much what all my friends had and you know Casper and I my husband were quite from slightly different backgrounds but honestly we ate the same food it seems like it was just a thing you know fish fingers chips beans uh, maybe the odd like roast dinner the odd like shepherd's pie whatever else um and so I didn't yeah like like you I didn't I didn't know I didn't really eat like salad or green stuff I didn't know the just uh, look we just didn't know the nutritional value of food and as kids you know maybe you shouldn't it's it's more about just like experimenting and finding out what you love and and not having as a kid already thinking about like what you're putting into your body so um I'm glad that I only had that discovery like in my late teens because it meant that I could just slightly you know I focused on on studying and all that stuff because I really love to learn so I, I, I studied hard um and I played guitar and I wrote a bunch of songs and then I started thinking like, hmm, like I wasn't really comfortable in my own skin. And and it was when I started running, it was for some reason, it was all kind of like a coming together of different things at once. Because when I started running, it made me really conscious of of my body and the way that it moved and the way that I held myself. And so I think I just must have it was probably like a Google or a, I don't know, something. I don't was Google, did Google exist then? I'm, I'm not that old, but like, did it? Probably like Ask yeah. Jeeves. Yeah, yeah, Do you remember Ask Jeeves? Yeah. <laughs> and I think I was really like, what's good, you know, what's good like food for running or something like that. But that kind of started a whole consciousness of, of what I was eating. And then of course, like when I went on tour, it was just like my, my band just wanted to eat you know, pizzas and nice things and the kind of food that you just want when it's late, you just can't be bothered. Um, But I think it was around then, kind of in my early 20s, that I really started thinking about food. And I think it's because I went vegan that I had to become even more aware of what I was eating because I was trying to get vitamins and um, quite a few people said, oh, if you're vegan, you won't get your vitamins in. Um, so I had to be, you know, over, sort of hyper-conscious of that. And I love that one part of the book as well, and one of your pillars of your wellness mantra, so to speak, is this idea of finding calm and relaxing. And I was thinking it must be so hard as a performer where you're constantly chasing, not always chasing a high, but so to speak, but when you're on stage, it's such a high adrenaline rush and it's so addictive and like how did you find 
that balance and learn to feel content with feeling calm because I have a real issue with calm and relaxing. Like, I can't stand it. Like, I used to have, like, this phobia of scented candles because it used to remind me of, like, chilling out. I was like, oh, I just don't want to. Like, it's literally true. Like, I'd be like, oh, I hate scented candles because they're too chill. to get you for Christmas. Um, (laughs) um, Yeah, okay, so it's no coincidence that most artists have had, you know, their days of, like, booze and drugs because... It is that constant high that you that you crave, especially when you've as soon as you've done like a tour where you've had like constant adrenaline rush from performance after performance and everyone is different. And so then when you come off stage, it's like, okay, what next? What next? What do I do next? And for me, it was like drinking. You know, I love to drink. I would and and I discovered like a vodka soda. So I was like, okay, cool. I can stay hydrated, but also get like, you know. Um, very, very drunk at the same time. Um, that was that's very typical of me to, to have a vodka soda. But you know, I, I mean, it, it it was like a constant uh, seeking of, like you said, highs and um, the the, ne- the next thing that you could do to make you feel alive. And so when you know, that's why they have like help groups for people who come home from tour because it's such a life in itself that when you come home, like everything seems really dull. Everything seems really, really boring. Um, even like exciting things seem boring because it's like, well, this is nothing compared to like waking up in a new city every day and and being on a different stage and meeting new people and being in different climates and different, you know, literally diff- whole different um, landscapes like every day. So it definitely becomes a constant chasing of of high, and that's why often, yeah, singers find themselves in, in a position where they have to figure out how to get that balance back and come home and just enjoy enjoy the simple things like going for a walk I I go for a walk every single day if I've got time and I use that time to stay off my phone um I might put some music on just in the background especially now I've got a baby like baby loves music um so and I just like this sounds really lame but I just like you know, I look at the I look at the trees, I look at everything around me and try and take things in instead of just like trying to get to the end of the walk. So I like think of the walk as like part of my day and I make it that time mm. for, for chill because that sounds really weird, but when we go on walks, we tend to just be like, right, we're going on a walk and then just like, oh, that's nice. And then just like want to get home again. But now I use walks as like... That's so yeah. true. So now I, I actually try and take everything in and really appreciate the small, little, small things. Like when, and that's why it's so nice to have Arthur because he'll look up at the trees and look at the birds and look at everything. He's seeing those things for the first time. And I think actually, yeah, no no wonder he's impressed because it is actually pretty fucking epic to see like a thousand (laughs) different like species of trees and bugs and like birds. And so anyway, that's, that's now, I, I now, I use Arthur as my like, barometer of, of what's interesting because he finds everything interesting <laughs> i love that when did you have that kind of epiphany for yourself that you were chasing this kind of high in your life all the time when did that kind of when did you realize that um uh, probably when i realized that i didn't ever want to go home and i was like where like where are we going next? What can we do next? What can we do tomorrow? Um, and also just just like just you know it being in the middle of the day and just thinking oh when can I have a you know a wine or something? Um, 
And then also, like, at one point, I was quite addicted to running and I was quite addicted to just going to the gym. And I talk about this really openly in the book because I figured that there was no point in, like, covering up all the bad things and just talking about how great I I am now. Um, You know, I'm really, really um, open about the fact that I... It was another it was another addiction it was another chasing of something extreme so I would just do a hit session until my heart rate was up at like 190 so that I would so that I felt really really just alive and crazy and um and I yeah I had that for a few years to the point where like even if I'd been to an event or a gig or something where I'd had a few drinks I'd still go home and make sure that I went on the treadmill even if I walked on the treadmill and I thought that was normal. I was like, well, well you mm. know, I just got to do some exercise. And then it was only when I like look back on it, because you only know when you're in a bad place when you're in a good place again. And so I'd look back and think, yeah. actually, that was a bit weird and, and not not that healthy. So really, the, the part, like since I stopped touring, the past few years have all been about understanding that I can wake up and not have to go for a run. I can wake up and just do a stretch or just have breakfast or just sit there and read a book or read the news um or you know so I, so i don't I, I i no longer feel that that need to do something extreme every day which i think was born like you said from chasing constant highs of being on tour mm. i think as well that's when self-help can come quite destructive in a way if you start to use it as an escape right like you know using like because running is a great example of self-help it can help you clear your mind it can help you feel you feel better it makes you feel it makes you stronger but then also if it becomes a point where I've had this when I've had this with exercise especially over the pandemic where I'm like if I don't wake up and I don't work out then I'm going to be anxious for the rest of the day Mm. and that can be quite destructive too and I think on that self-care journey for you when have you truly learned to prioritize yourself it's funny the pandemic was was something that none of us expected and something that we were all hit by in so many different ways and I mean no matter how much everyone's played it down it's fucking huge to for us to deal with that you know it's it's really big and for people who already were struggling with their mental health you know, exacerbated it and for people who have never struggled with their mental health suddenly they're finding themselves really anxious out, out of nowhere mm. and I think but I tried to use it as I do with everything and my husband teaches this well taught me this was was to make you know make the most out of a bad situation and so I did use those days to exercise whether it was doing doing like a 15 minute hit session or going for a long walk I finally had the freedom to do that so I I guess I saw it in a different way because I felt myself not working I mean I I clearly was relaxed because I ended up having a baby (laughs) um (laughs) so like it you know it it was an opportunity for me to really um yeah just like discover myself a bit more um not infused with doing a thousand things in one day so like I only ever knew myself being busy so it was it was interesting to discover myself just as like a human being right how do I function without working how do I function without you know doing the things I want to do every day like going to the gym or going to I don't know what the hell else I used to do before things shut down but um I don't know going to the cinema um I would like right. What? Do, how do I function without all those things? And I and I, that's what I discovered. And some days were really shit, and some days were 
amazing. So I was like, God, I've done something today. Like I read, like I read a book for an hour, and I would never do that. So I try to use it to like, you know, learn a bit more about myself, which I, which mm. sounds mad at thirty four, but you know, I spent a long time probably pretending to be someone else. So it was nice to like get to know myself a bit better.、Mm. What kind of person do you think you were kind of pretending to be, and who was the person? You kind of discovered in that <laughs> this is moment. This is so funny. I I realised the person I was trying to be was an extrovert, somebody who was very sociable, somebody who enjoyed being in a room full of people and chatting and、um, being very confident and being funny and being, you know, a people pleaser. And the person I discovered, <laughs> to my shock, was actually I'm an introvert. I'm not good in big crowds. I have a very small group of friends. That's what I've discovered. I have like a few friends,、um, and I'm a quiet, per- a solitary person. I-, I spent so much time by myself during lockdown, and when- especially when I was pregnant, and I really enjoyed it. And it's not that I don't love talking. Like I love one-on-one conversation like this because. I feel like we can, you know. I just feel like it's really special, but I realised that I was trying to be somebody that just could do everything and and suit everyone and be everyone's kind of person.、Mm. And so, when if somebody didn't, if someone didn't like like me, you know, I'd make it my mission, you know, for them to like me because I thought that I had to be liked by everyone, and I thought that I had to be,、um, yeah, like I said, like I had to be like had to please everyone and make everyone happy and. And and really be there for people, and I wasn't really ever there for myself. So I was just like giving, 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 and then not really having anything for myself. So that's why I ended up, you know, being like, right, I need to stop touring. I need to. I moved to New York. I met my husband. I lived there for a few years, and I just existed and didn't like for myself and not for anyone, which I think I needed.、Mm. I had that kind of epiphany recently when I was like, I realise I give all this stuff to everyone else, and actually, when do I actually then prioritise、yeah. what I actually want to do? Because I was always doing it for someone else. I'm like the biggest people pleaser, and I think that's really interesting because when you realise that and you start to build those boundaries around being this people pleaser, it then also makes you reflect、yeah. on your friendships yeah. Yeah. too. Yeah. And you speak about friendships in the book, and you touch upon it, and. How do you think you talk about what a good attribute to a friend is? How have you kind of discovered what a true friendship? Yeah,、is? I there's there's two words just from going from what you just said that that have that have kind of bothered me lately, which is a selfish, which I don't really believe in that word anymore.、Um, since、mm. I realised how important it is to be selfish sometimes, and the second word is loyalty. I have a real issue with that word loyalty because. I think it can be really dangerous when somebody uses that against you when they're like, but it's but you've got to be loyal to the you've got to be loyal to your friends and loyal to these people. But if those people are like causing you pain or like making you feel or gaslighting you, making you feel a certain way, then I think that you're okay to like override that that element of loyalty that you think you're supposed to have. I realize that I don't have to see my friends all the time to be like. You know, to keep those friendships, and I think that lock, lockdown taught taught us that. And it's it's been interesting because I've I I, I message people、um, 
I've been messaging people almost every day and it's been interesting to see for me like who who I've wanted to stay in touch with and who perhaps I haven't mm. stayed in touch with and nothing nothing personal against them or me or anything but just it's just I found it really like eye-opening to to see who who I've who's who's stuck around for whatever reason um it's the people around you affect you so much I I've known people before and I'm sure I've done it before where you're in a relationship with someone and your friends will be really honest with you and say you've you know you're you're not yourself or you seem like you're not you know um and I I think it can really you can really be influenced and affected by the person that you're with the most and so it's all about people that bring out the best in you or the best version of you one thousand percent and I think with that as well, you talk about in the book about being positive and I've always taken this huge pride in myself on being a positive person. You are so a much very positive so that if person. I'm not... It's great. You're like, it's, it's <laughs> like, I can feel it. I can feel it, you know? It's good vibes. Setting that positivity yeah. down the scene. Yeah. <laughs> but sometimes I feel like with speaking of friendships, if I'm not the positive person that everyone expects me to be, they're like, oh, what do you mean? Like, you're not being this, like, we need you to be positive. Yeah. Like, I come to you for positivity. And I think there's one bit in the book that really spoke to me, actually. And where you say, trust me, I know how hard it is. Somet- uh, something happens to me when I first wake up. It's like my brain has only woken up um, the irrational part. And all I can think about is doom and gloom and that everything is shit. <laughs> and I think sometimes, <laughs> and I was like, do you know what? Like, sometimes I wake up and I'm like, it's really shit. And I can't be bothered to be this positive person today. Yeah. I'm not being a positive penny. Yeah. I'm parking her yeah. for, this, yeah. <laughs> for this day. And it's and it's so hard. Like, how have you retrained your mind in that sense to deal with negative feelings and then also reshape those positive ones, but also also embrace the negative when you need to? Well, yeah, f- first of all, it's it's like... For example, if I if someone's caught me on an off day where I've had like a really bad day or I haven't slept or or the stress with work or whatever, um, it's like I just I really have to just preempt. I just have to say, look, I'm not feeling that great, just so you know. So don't ask my opinion because I feel like it's going to be affected by my mood. Like <laughs> yeah. it's you know it's going to be influenced by how I'm feeling right now. So just don't ask me anything. Um, but I'm I think my friends know me as that, so like they know. I'm pretty open about when I'm feeling like shit and when I'm feeling good. But also um, from like a more simple kind of perspective of like being a human being. Um, but you can think like, oh, it's probably because my there's something going on with my hormones or there's something going on with my gut health. Or maybe I've eaten really badly for the past week or maybe I just haven't slept, had some deep sleep. And I think I think we, we underestimate how much our body affects our mind I wake up at like and I was speaking to like a doctor not like a psychotherapist but like an actual doctor the other day I was having like some blood like sort of um routine blood tests there um and he was like oh I get it too he was like it's like catastrophe hour it's like between like what what's yours like between four and five I was like yes he's like yeah me too so like I'm a doctor and I even I get it and he was like it's that time when you wake up where and it's something to do with your, it is actually just your brain. Like your, the rational side of your brain hasn't, just literally isn't awake. So all those things you're thinking are not real, but your brain is, you know, your brain is literally has switched into, into like catastrophe mode. Um, so, and then when I wake up, I'm like, oh God, what the hell was I thinking in the middle of the night? But no, I've made up things like, 
you know, oh, I, or like I think of an ex-boyfriend and think, oh, could I have, I should probably should, should I reach out? To, no, why would you reach out? Why would I reach out to my ex-boyfriend? <laughs> like, should I, should I, you know, as in like, should I say sorry for that one time that I did this? Like, it's just, this is like stuff that I write about in a song because it's like, I, I have an artistic license to write about my past and write about my past relationships. But why am I now in the middle of the night thinking that I need to, or maybe I didn't like compliment someone when I when maybe they needed a compliment or maybe they needed some support and I think oh, I should have been more supportive I think I've been a bad friend I think yeah so I promise you like it happens to all of us and it's just your brain playing tricks with you it's all good the amount of times that I've actually when I was single and I was hung over and would message a boy that I like ghosted or done something <laughs> bad to I'd be like Oh, so hi. And then the next day when you've actually, the rational part of your brain kicks and you're like, why have you done that? And you've agreed to see them again. You know, this, is why, this is why I love, this is why I love hearing these stories because it just makes you realise we're all totally batshit and we're all totally doing the same <laughs> thing. And it's not, ju- it's not just you. Like, you're nothing special. We're all doing it. We're all texting the random, pe- you know, it's, it's just, it's, yeah, it's just the condition. It's a human condition of just like, you know, we have a very complex situation with our brain, with our body, and we just need to do some things to help it out every now and then, which is what I talk about in the book. Yeah, because you also talk about ditching comparisons mm. as well, which that... Root of all evil. <laughs> when you're also... <laughs> when also you're hungover, the comparison is the worst. But um, in day-to-day life, it's just, it can be crippling for some people. It's been crippling for me in my own life at different times. And it's even worse now that we're living in this social media-centric mm. Mm. world where we're constantly showing perfection, but not also that we're always taught that this this irrational level of happiness and living your best life is the most important thing you can do. When have you fallen into comparison um no the comparison thing god it is ugly it is ugly like it it's and actually the only thing that is making us compare let's face it it's not like we're going around to our our, you know we're going around to a friend's house every day where everyone you know is packed into one room and you're just looking at everyone thinking what are they wearing what are they talking about um what you know Mm. it's it's just social media like people say, like the, you know, comparison. It's just all we do is compare. It's making us miserable. No, social media is making you miserable. Like you could not go on social media. It's really hard because you feel like you're missing out and you feel like you're not up to date with music. I feel like I'm not up to date with music if I don't go on social media. I feel like I'm not up to date with popular culture. I feel like I'm not up to date with the news. Um, and so I, tr- so my first step was like, okay, well, if I am going on social media, I'm gonna like really filter out things and I'm gonna follow people that I find funny, follow people that I find inspiring, follow people that that, that tell tell me good news so I don't have to hear bad news all the time. You know, don't let social media be the reason you have a bad day when you wake up in the morning and start scrolling. Like, it's just, it's just a phone and it's just, you know, pictures. Like, it shouldn't be the reason why you have a shit day. Mm. I mean, I had this epiphany about that the other day when I was coming back on a plane and I felt, and it was, I was coming back from Nice and the guy in front of me was, when we took off, was editing his picture. And when I landed, he was still editing the same picture. And I was like, babe, like, (laughs) this is when you realise like how damaging social media can be when you you fall into that. You could have read a bloody good book or something in that time. I mean, 
day. Or had a nap day. Or had a nap, yeah. Even better, have a nap. Like, watch a funny film. When it comes to comparison traps, though, and, like, being a female artist in this very crazy entertainment industry where there is, even if you're not comparing yourself, the media tries to compare you all the time in so many different ways. How has that affected you at different times? Um... Probably to begin with, I it was really traumatic or constantly being compared to other people. I didn't really understand it. I, I um I found it quite confusing because we were all doing such different things, like making different kind of music. So yeah, in, in the beginning, but obviously as a, as a young kind of uh, up and coming singer, um, I. I instantly was like, okay, so maybe I need to be more like that and less like this, i.e. like less like me. So yeah, you start really, like I said, I became a whole other person. I didn't really know who I was anymore because I think I'd taken the comparisons so seriously that I became like probably an amalgamation of like all the people I was compared to or or was supposed to be like or... um, Mm. So it was just just a confusing time. God, 20s is a confusing time. And you're learning so much all the time. And then you get to like, you're thir- you get, I get to like my early 30s and I'm like, what the hell was I thinking? You know, there's so much I would have done differently. Um, and especially like trying to, try, like we said before, like trying to become other people to, I'm like, why am I, why am I wearing these things to please like the media or like whatever the hell was, you know, talking about me at the time? It's just, it's just so wild. But at the time you think it's what you have to do. It's just crazy. Mm-hmm. And even if you boil that down into normal social settings, you will adapt certain behaviours in order to be accepted by certain groups. And then it's just, honestly, like when I look back on my 20s, I became an amalgamation yeah. so many times of the people around me because I was like, this is what I need to do in order to yeah. be like, you know, be popular and then like feel like you have to have the most friends well, possible. Going, I was going back <laughs> to like the friends thing is when you're truly mm. comfortable in what you're wearing, what you're saying and you're open and you can express yourself and you can not feel like an idiot when you say something. The other thing, something I said the other day was like where you can finish a whole story like and or like finish a funny anecdote without feeling like halfway through you have to stop because you suddenly feel like, oh shit, no one's finding this interesting. Like where you can just have the confidence. I, oh yeah, that's because I've been doing some acting like sessions. I've been, have, I've been working with like an acting coach and she's taught me like the power of just telling a story and all the way through and not feeling like I have to be like actually you know what this is boring you guys won't find this interesting or you know well you can like embellish it and you can be silly and funny and and not have to like be insecure in any way and that's when you know you're surrounded by like people people that love and appreciate you oh my god that is the best piece of advice (laughs) that seriously is yeah that's amazing and that is totally queenly behavior realizing that (laughs) and you are a queen ellie golding thank you but who do you think has passed the crown onto you and inspired you the most um nothing it's all me i just thank myself for everything no just kidding (laughs) (laughs) um you know what i i'm i consider myself you know a staunch feminist um i am all about women and even if women haven't felt that I'm all about them in the past, I promise, all I, I do, all I think about is the woman's predicament because that's just, I'm a woman's woman. Um, but saying that, I, I have to, 
I have to give so much credit to my husband because he has taught me so much about being calm and being balanced and just having like a different perspective on things and not getting angry in situations where I'd normally get angry, um, f- feeling just feeling calmer um, in my reactions towards things, whereas usually I react like in a panic to things. And just, he's just, he's really, that's what it is. He's really pragmatic and he's really like about solutions. And I'm more emotional and I'm more kind of chaotic and, and all over the place, especially when I'm in the studio, I like have a few drinks and just you know, write down my feelings. Whereas he's all about just like getting stuff done and like, but he also works in the art world. So he really appreciates art. He studied art. So it's just has this really good balance of like appreciating art from, from a distance. Um, and like being able to just talk about it really openly, but then also having this way of being really controlled in a, in a kind of healthy way. And for example, if I say, Oh my God, Oh my God, like I'm freaking out. This happened. He'd go, okay, let's think about it. Let's think about what we can do about it. Let's think about the steps of how we get to that. So, you know, so he, so even though we're really different, we're so different, it really, it really works. So I have to give him the credit for like keeping me quite, you know, keep, keep, keeping very grounded. Well, since the last time I spoke to you, actually, quite a lot has changed in life in the fact that you've become. A mum. I am now a mother. I am a mother. <laughs> You're a mother. <laughs> How transformative have you found that experience? God, it's... And taking on this new part of your identity. It's just wild. The whole thing is wild. And um, it's it, it does make you, like I said, appreciate things again, like nature and, and the fact that he's fascinated by everything. Um, but yeah, suddenly you're, you are responsible for another person. And... You cannot just solely think about yourself anymore. So actually going back to the selfish thing, a little bit of that does have to um, go out the window because suddenly you have to mm. really, um, you have to keep keep a human alive, um, which is a whole thing in itself. And then you have to nurture them and love them and be there for them. And it's um, it's one of those things you can only really take it day by day. You can't think like, right, where's he going to go to school? you know am I going to be a good mum am I going to be able to like you know do his hope you just have to take it like day by day and even at the moment hour by hour because he's just changing like crazy any any like new mums listening to this can relate it's like they just change so quickly like in the morning you wake up and say hi and you wake them up and they're suddenly they're just making a whole new noise or they're just doing a new thing <laughs> like moving their arm in a different way because I think as well there's so much pressure on women in even in this society which is still crazy to even be even mm. having this discussion mm. this idea of being a good mum and the pressure to be a good mum because there's so many outdated pressures that we as society still place on mothers yes. what's kind of surprised you about the kind of sexism you face as a mother and the kind of like pressures that are outwardly put on you um there's one thing that i've definitely noticed and observed which is that I get asked a lot, like, oh, working at, you know, already working. Wow, wowza, you know. And I'm like, um, yeah, Casper hasn't been asked that once. Um, not once has he been asked, like, oh, are you sure you want to go back to work? Whereas I've had it a lot. Um, <clears throat> and it, it's always kind of a, like, 
you know, well done. Oh, well done for for, for becoming a mum when you're, you're you're working. And you know, oh, it's well done to you. And and it's a bit like, the, yeah, that it's it's still mad that we still think that women can't do both. Like women are amazing, as you know, as we all know. Mm-hmm. Women are, and I know that even more so since I gave birth. But women are so cool, and the fact that that you know we're underestimated that we can't do a job and you know we 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 can multitask and we can work and you know it is a challenge and I also really 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 respect women who just want to be a mum because it's a it is a full-time job it's a full-time job in that there's the emotional side there's the physical side there's the like there's there's so much care that goes into a new baby um, especially if you're breastfeeding, you have to get up in the night. So you're not going to be able to function that well the next day if you've been getting up trying to breastfeed, which is what I did. Um, it's knackering. But also if you're like, I've made the decision to get somebody to help me or get family to help me and go back to work so that I remember who I am before baby and keep my identity. That's okay too. It's just like, we're all allowed to make our own decisions. And I think that's mm. something that we have the luxury of. You know, Some countries don't and it's just, infuriating but 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 certainly in the western world we have that we have that choice and so we're allowed to go back to work and I went back to work three weeks after I gave birth and yeah I was a bit like sore and a bit like all over the place but I wrote some really good songs so I'm really I'm really glad that I did and I think we're all allowed to make our own decisions. How do you think that motherhood and going through pregnancy and breastfeeding has affected your relationship with your body image is it giving you a greater sense of it being this almost like incredible machine in a way well I I just had a flashback to went to like maybe three weeks two or three weeks after I gave birth and I and I was walking around in like I just whacked this like comfy t-shirt on and some leggings to like maybe maybe I was doing like a yoga or something um, like a postnatal thing Um, and my belly was just like hanging out and I just didn't care and I've never cared less about my body being exposed and my you know, like Casper walks in, like I think we had a builder at the time or something, and I just didn't care. I just didn't think like, oh, I need to, co- you know, cover up. And it didn't seem like anyone cared either. Maybe it's just like this, you know, I have to give um, credit to the people that also were like, yeah, like you do what you want. You just had a child, like you can, you know, and also this this comfortability and like knowing that I'm not my normal self and knowing that I'm not like perhaps at my usual weight and just like accepting as like, this is all good and not feeling like an urge to lose weight, not feeling an urge to, to look, you know, inverted commas, like how I used to look. It's like you do, you do, you do appreciate your body just a little bit more because you realize that it's done something pretty cool. I love that. (laughs) Well, Ellie, we've come to the part of the podcast, which we like to call the Royal email we ask the listeners to send in their problems to our Queen of the Week, okay. and you're going to help solve those problems, oh gosh, honey. I hope I can, yeah, help. <laughs> <laughs> Are you ready to get your Agony Queen yeah, on? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Um, and, and by the way, um, I might add at the end, like I don't know though, because just in case I like ruin anyone's life, but um, I will try my best. Okay, we're not going to ruin any lives. <laughs> we, we'll see how we go okay. <laughs> on the life ruining. <laughs> I like someone, but they don't like me back. Another person likes me, but I don't like them. What should I do? Does Becky back off or push on, Ellie? Okay, so I always appreciate when someone likes me because I think 
they see something in me that maybe other people don't or that I don't see in myself. So I think that's a good start. That If someone likes you, I think that is always worth pursuing in some way, whether it's just a friendship. You know, it's always nice when someone likes you um, and, and appreciates you. So I'd start with that. If you like someone that doesn't like you back, give up on that. There's no, like, don't try and make someone like you because they clearly don't see your excellence. They don't see how amazing you are and they don't appreciate you. So move on from that. Just get rid of that one. Becky needs to listen up to this and realise how Becky, you're amazing. Power, right? Don't worry about the person that doesn't like you. They clearly don't, they, they, yeah, they've got something up. So don't worry about that. <laughs> it's their problem yeah. not <laughs> <Yeah>. yours <laughs> okay this is a classic one we've all been there i've been ghosted do i leave them to it or do i kick off does katie high kick them in the inbox or does she sashay away ellie um i think kick off and then block <laughs> <laughs> I think, look, just like, I'm like, you know, I hate injustice. So like if someone, you know, if someone ghosted me, I would probably, I'd like question it for like, for like a minute, but then I would move on. So maybe I would like, just, I'd have to say something just for my own closure um, or I don't know, something like that. I don't know if closure is the right word, but then I would, then I would just leave it. Like, who cares? I just... Don't worry about that. It's like, a, again, it's their thing. I, it's not yours. You're good. You're fine. Leave them be. Leave them be. I love that. Drop the text bomb, then literally exit yeah. the chat. <laughs> classic. It's a classic, it? it's a classic. It's a classic. And then finally, my ex starts texting me. She actually wrote sexting, but we're not going to go down okay. the sexting route. So we're going to say ex starts texting. Okay. I give him the brush off. Now regret it. How do I get back to messaging without looking stupid or desperate? Does Sarah sext or text or just leave it? I need to know more context of this because how did you guys break up? Uh, was it mutual? Did he break up with you? Did you break... um, But I think if you still like him and there's still something there and you miss each other and it's mutual um, and there aren't, there isn't anyone else involved, I think you need to be really straight up with him just be really honest you're not you've got nothing to lose from saying like are you still interested in seeing me do you want to meet up for a tea or a drink maybe not a drink so you know that's just that's just dangerous that just leads to all kinds of problems <laughs> tea keep it tea keep it caffeinated and non-alcoholic <laughs> i love that so basically sarah needs to get the kettle get on. the kettle on have a chat see what happens but don't put too much on it. I love that. Well, Elliot, that leads us to the last question that we always ask in the podcast, which is, in the reign of your life, what is the one rule you will always live by? Apart from always put the kettle on. <laughs> oh my gosh, the one rule. Probably one of the most beneficial things for me has been to always see the best in everyone and... I think it's so relevant for so many things uh, because it can eradicate your anxiety about how other people feel about you, how, you know, mo most of our days are dictated by people, right? Well, you know, it's just, it's just a hazard of like work, of, of friendships, of everything. So I just think, I just think you have to, you have to see the good in everyone and it, it can definitely make your life 
a bit easier. I don't know, there's been, I've had a thousand things that I feel like have really worked for me. Like it used to be, you know, living in the moment and, and breathing and and not not sort of hiding in the past or like, you know, worrying about the future. There's, that's definitely another one. Um, but mostly it's get the kettle on and drink tea. Um, I'm just going to look, let's just leave it with that. Get the kettle on. I love that. Well, I'm going to go get the kettle on now. And it's been <laughs> Me too. S- stunning talking to you and serving the tea from said kettle. <laughs> I think we've given everything to this. We've had singing, we've had Atomic Kitten, we've had motherhood, <laughs> we've had friendships. Thank you so much, you babe. So much Honestly, really, it's been so really great talking to that. you. Really enjoyed that so much. Thank you so much for joining me for another incredible episode of Rain. I really hope you found something to take away from this chat. And if you have, let me know. Get me on socials at Josh Smith Hosts. And the Royal Email Bag is always open for your problems. And as always, if you enjoyed this episode, please like, rate, subscribe, or follow. And ultimately, please share this conversation with someone you think needs to hear it. It might just open up the conversations you never knew you needed. Oh,